so glad that you're here. I love that last song. I echo everything he said. I echo his, the words there that here we are. We come into God's presence and we come messed up. We come broken. We come torn. And he puts us together. It's he that does the work. It's him through Christ. And my prayer this morning is that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever, uh, wherever you go, whatever life journey has taken you on, that somewhere you trusted Christ as your Lord, and that you're growing in your walk, that you're becoming, you're being made, you are not who you were, you, you're being transformed by Christ. He, he took that messed up situation and he's turning it into something special. God's using you. God is doing things in and through you. So glad you're here. We've been reading together through God's Word. and um, It's interesting. God has a plan. Uh, you know, when you, when you look, especially when you start in the first of the book, when you start in Genesis and you, you see the characters God uses. And I want to invite you to come on Wednesday night. We're, we're discussing, we're talking. I'm doing a lot of talking. We're all kind of talking and thinking through uh, together, it's not so much preaching, it's not so much, it's different. So y'all come, love to have you. Had a great group here this past Wednesday night. But when you look through, when you start, you know, when you, when you just sort of pick up the Bible and drop in in a spot, it's hard to get the big picture. It's hard to, to put it all together, where these characters come from, where, why, why did Jesus have to do that? Why did he die on a cross? Why did he have to die? You know, you, you got to see the rest of the story. You put the whole book together, and as we, as we slowly read through it, as we slowly read to it, through it together this year, we're going to see those pieces really fall, fall in place. God has a plan. God had a plan then. He had a plan through his people. He had a plan through the people that he chose, through the messed up people that he chose. And, and the beauty... The, what's so amazing is, guys, we can take this and we can see how, how he worked through those individuals and we can sort of put it on our own lives and see God working in our lives the same way. God is working, and, and let me say this, there are, there are big gaps in time, large gaps in time there. It's like so-and-so had a baby and... Fifty years later, he had another one and then lived a hundred and something years and died. I mean, we see these large, large groups of uh, time in like a verse or two. But we know that God was doing so many things there behind the scene. Um, I want to kind of just, just put this on there. January is always, always uh, sanctity of human life, and we know... This past week, we were supposed to have the baby shower, and we were going to be sort of celebrating sanctity of human life and the value of life and things like that. Go with me over to Jeremiah. Actually, it was last February, first Sunday in February. I, I preached on the value of life, and I looked at how, how in the beginning God created Adam and Eve, and he created them in his image. And I, and I went here to Jeremiah, and I'm going to bounce over to, to Psalm 139 where I'm going. But, but look at this. And, Guys, when you think about God has a plan, and you're reading through Scripture, and you're looking at your own life, you know, God even has a plan through all these sicknesses, through all of these things that are going on. God, 
God's not going on vacation. He's not checked out. He's not left us. God knows what he's doing. God knows exactly what's going on. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. And, and if he says this to Jeremiah, he can, he's saying this to us as well. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Everybody look at me. That's God talking to you. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. I don't know what you, I don't know how your week was. I don't know how your month's been. I don't know how 2022 has treated you. I don't, I don't know how to date, up to date has treated you. But before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew every, he knew every intimate detail there was to know. He knew your ups, he knew your downs, he knew that song, that, that ending chorus, we come broken, we come wounded, we come tattered, we come torn, we come all of that. And you know what? God knew every bit of that. He knew, and, and, and honestly, he knew whether he was going to get a full person or a whole bunch of pieces. Lord, I... That ain't much, it's, 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 it's a mess. God knew that. You know, and as the world goes at 100 miles an hour in time, and we're busy, and we're running, and we, we got so much on us, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that, you know what? God's got a plan in all this. God knows exactly what he's doing in all of this. God is sovereign, y'all. God sees, he says, before I formed you, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, God set you apart to be his very own. God set you apart to be his very own. You are special, you are unique. It don't matter what mom and daddy told you, it don't matter what people in your school told you, it don't matter what bullies told you. It don't matter what girls or guys that don't like you no more told you, God likes you. God loves you. Before he formed you, in your mother's womb, he knew you. Go over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. You're special. There's not an accident. There's no accident. You didn't accidentally get to this point. God has a plan. He's working his plan. Psalm 139, beginning and over there in verse 15, says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. The other day we've been praying for Brother Eddie's mom for months and months now. She went home the other day. Her book, praise God, her book. Guess what? Guess what Miss Joe's book did? Look at this. The other day she got to right here, and the Lord said, Look, it's time to come home. He finished. He completed his work. He completed his work in her. You know what? He's still working a work in you and me. I. You've heard me say this. We don't know, though, where we are. Are we in the middle or are we, we back over here? Matthew, I see Matthew there. And Matthew's got to be up here in Exodus somewhere. He's got a long way to go. But we don't know, brother. 
No forest, we look at forest, old forest sitting there, old forest. Not really. But we just gonna say he's about right here. Look at look coming there. Where have you been? Forty six years old. He should be right there in the very middle, shouldn't he? And in your book were all written for me when this all the days when as yet there was not one of them. And here we are, healthy, athletic, and energetic, and all that stuff. But we don't know when God's finished. And in your book were all the days that were ordained for me. God's got a plan. He knows what he's doing in your and my life. God's not. Listen. Omicron's come. Remember Y2K came? Remember all this stuff? Some of you remember difficult things. You remember wars, Vietnams, and, and big wars, and all this stuff. You remember things that went on, and you're like, how in the world are we going to make it through this? God's not finished. God knows what He's doing. God is working it all out, period. We're reading through Scripture together. We're reading through the Bible, and as you're looking at these individuals, when you're looking at these characters that God is using, it's like, wow, you know who they look like? They look like us. They come broken, they come tattered, they come torn, they come messed up. And God does something through them. We see Abraham, we see his, all, the, the, all that goes on with his kids. We see Isaac, we see Jacob and all those sons. We see all of that. And as you're reading it really slow and you're looking at those families and you're looking at all the, I'm going to be honest, the corruption. My, it's days of our lives. Santa Barbara, as the world turns, it's, it's pick another one. It's like pick a name all put together in one. It's like, wow, that is messed up. How in the world? Why in the world? You're God. You should know better. God knows exactly what he's doing. Go with me over to Matthew. You say, well, you say, here we are. Listen, church, we're in the beginning of Genesis, and now we're getting into to Joseph, and we're going to see Joseph, why in the world? Joseph wasn't doing anything wrong. He was going to check on his brothers, and they threw him in a pit, and they sold him off into Egypt, into slavery, and look at what God's starting to do. You're like, man, why in the world would God use those boys? He just does. God uses us, y'all. God's using you. Don't think for a moment that you're not important. Don't, don't think for a moment that you, if you're a Christian, okay, if you're a Christian and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's got a big something that He's still doing you. Until He finishes the chapter, until He closes your book and we lay you out right here or somewhere and talk words over you, God is still doing something and He's orchestrating His big master plan in and through your life. Look over at Matthew chapter 1. Look at this. Matthew chapter 1. You know what it is? It's genealogy. Matthew chapter 1. Look look at this. Beginning in verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. We've read through... We've read through a couple of these already. I, I mean, Abraham was the father of who? 
Isaac, okay? And Isaac was the father of who? Jacob, okay? And Jacob was the father of one of his boys. How many boys did he have? Twelve. By how many different wives? We lose count, don't we? We absolutely lose count. But here we are in the genealogy of the Messiah. In the genealogy of the Messiah, we see that Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Judah, and Judah was the father of... This is just one of those twins. This is just one of the twins. And when you read about how these... When you read about how Judah became the father, verse 3, of Perez... And, and Zerah by Tamar, when you read that, you're thinking, are you kidding me? But God knows what he's doing. He uses mess up. He uses brokenness. He uses mistakes. He uses accidents. He uses rebellion. He uses all of that. It's not like God is is. is Caught off guard by any of this. He's got a plan. And he's working his plan all the way through. He, he looks at Rebecca and says, hey, you got, you're going to have two boys in there. and well, Those two boys, the younger's going to be the lead and the older's going to serve the younger. She's like, what? I mean, when you're reading God's word, keep reading. I mean, it's very interesting. Judah, verse 3, Judah was the father of Perez and Terah by Tamar. And Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadad, and Abinadad was the father of Nashon. And Nashon was the father of Salmon, and Salmon was the father of Boaz. Very familiar story there, Boaz by Rahab. Rahab the harlot. Oh my goodness, Rahab the harlot showed up in the genealogy of Jesus. God knows what he's doing. And Rahab, Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of who? David, King David, man after God's own heart. David was the father of Solomon. By who? Bathsheba. How did that come about? Exactly. God knows what he's doing. You say, listen, you see people all the time. They say, there's no way in the world that God can use me. There's no way in the world that God can take the mistakes that I've made, the story, the storied mess that I am. Listen, there's no way. Well, the Bible says different. The Bible says totally different than that. We look, at it on, we look at it on man's eyes. There's no way any one of us would have picked some of these names. There's no way we would have ever, they wouldn't have been elected. They wouldn't have been elected to nothing. They'd have been voted to nothing. But see, we look at things different than the way God looks at it. Our heart is messed up. Our heart is, is messed up. We don't see what God is doing behind the scenes. We don't see how God takes things and people just like this. And through them, he does amazing things. David was the father, verse 7. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. And Abijah the father of Asa. 
Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. And Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. And Jotham the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. And Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Sheltiel, and Sheltiel became the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel became the father of Abihud, and Abihud became the father of Elakim, and Eliakim became the father of Azor, and Azor was the father of Zadok, and Zadok became the father of Achan, and Achan became the father of Eliud, and Eliud became the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar became the father of Methan, and Methan became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Okay? All the way through, we have recorded here for us exactly what happens all through this Old Testament book. You see, family have family have family, generation on top of generation on top of generation. And in the midst of all of that is chaos and wars and backstabbings and adulteries and, and murders and all this stuff. And guess what God is doing through it all? He is weaving a perfect plan. I'm not standing up here this morning explaining him to you. I'm just telling you he knows what he's doing. I can't sit here and say, I get it. I can't sit here and say, I, I, I can wrap my arms around it completely. But all I know is you just got to trust that, you know, those generations from, from Abraham, if you do the math on those generations from like Abraham to Jesus, is some right at 2,000 years, 1,996 years or so. And you say, where do you get those numbers? You know how as you're reading through Genesis, you're seeing that so-and-so was so many years old, and then he had him, and then he lived for this many times. You can do the math. You can put the numbers together. You can put the numbers together all the way back from Abraham, all the way back to Adam, and you can see how long it is. Yes, the world says we've been here for billions and billions and billions and billions of years old and all of that stuff, but that's not biblical. A Bible timeline versus a world timeline is a totally different timeline. Which one are you going to trust? From Abraham back all the way to, uh, to Adam, some right at 2,000 years, 2,000, 2,000. Here we are since Jesus, another 2,000. We're looking at around 6,000 or so years. That's how old this place is. Yeah, but the world, the scientists and the books and everything I've said says we're billions and billions and billions and billions of years old. But that's not what this book says. God's got a plan. And God used broken people then, and He's using broken people now. I'm going to take you to a chapter that most people avoid. I'm going to take you to a chapter that, honestly, most people avoid. Because it muddies the water even more. Go to Romans 9. But you have to see God... How can you stand up there and say God has a plan and not see Romans 9? Just start in verse 1. It doesn't all connect, but just read it anyway. I'm telling the truth. This is Paul here writing to the church of Rome. Rome to the Romans. I'm telling the truth Christ in Christ. 
I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenant and the givings of the law and the temple services and the promises, listen to this, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, whom is over all God blessed forever. Amen. So in this, he's talking about, he's talking about, you just got to read the rest. I'm not even going to explain it to you. Go read the book. Go back and just read all of Romans. He's talking about how you don't, you're not saved just because you're one of Abraham's kids. You're not saved just because you're you're part of the family. You're not saved just because of a certain last name. You're not saved just because you do certain rituals. You're not saved just because you keep certain traditions. No, you're saved by Christ alone. There's no other way. That's what he's talking about. When you get here to verse 6, it says, but, is, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. Now pay attention, church. Read what the Bible, read it in the, your word, read it on the, on the thing in front of you. But read it slowly and listen. This is the Bible. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. Okay, just because they're, you know how the children of Israel, they would tell Jesus that, hey, we have Abraham as our father. We have Abraham. We look to Abraham. And, and Paul's writing here, just because you're part of Abraham's descendants don't mean you're, you're, you're part of it. Okay? That is, it is not... That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. This is what we're reading in Scripture, going back into the Old Testament, reading in Genesis. And not only this, but there was also Rebekah, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, for though, listen to this church, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Let me reread that. For though... The twins were not yet born and had done and had not done anything good or bad. I mean, these babies, these babies were not even born yet. When we talk about God has a plan, it is a real plan. We're not talking about some, yeah, God's got a plan and He's just going to bless me. And God's got a plan and, and if I do good, He's just going to do good back to me. No, I'm telling you, the Bible teaches something far greater and far more serious and far more than just me, 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 me. No, it's God and God only who is working His plan, period. 
Okay, there is no way you can get to Matthew chapter 1 and read down through there and see so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so, and it accidentally, by random chance, because God picks some messed up people down through there, but God had a plan, and God is working His plan. I'll tell you. It's very important for me to just stand here right in front of you and say right now. Guys, we need to be in, we need to know what God is doing. It's nothing outside of this book. It's nothing outside of the information, the commandments, the truths, the teachings in this book. If he's told us to do it, that's what he wants us to do. If he's told us that's what he expects, that's what he expects. If he's told us how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Period. It's not, well, I think, I think God is just going to do this. No. If what you're thinking and saying is not lining up exactly with what that book is saying, then you're wrong and it's right. What I'm trying to get us to see is that his plan is not my opinion or what I think or feel or what makes me feel good and what makes me say, yes, I agree, that's a God I can like, that's a God I can understand, that's a God that makes good sense and makes me feel warm and fuzzy. That's not the God of that Bible. Because the God of this Bible in our mind ain't fair. Because the God in this Bible does not make sense. The God of this Bible, in this very scripture, in this very scripture that we're reading right here, two babies, unborn babies, that had not done anything right or anything wrong, God had already said, one I'm going to love and the other one I'm not. the world to look at that God and say well that's not fair God's plan's not fair it's his plan God's ways are his ways God's will is his will God's desire is his desire God's direction is his direction God's commandment these 66 books were God breathed these 66 books were written by men, and God dictated the words to write, and he dictated, and in your book were all written the days when as yet there was not one of them. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew everything there was to know about you, period. I knew every sickness you would have, every thought you would have. I know every single thing there is to know about you, period. Keep reading. Romans chapter 9. Verse 9 again, go back up. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also. When she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad. So that God's purpose according to his choice would stand. Not because of works. But because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older 
will serve the younger. And just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Verse 14, what shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? That's just not fair. I mean, we step back and we're like, that's not right. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God now, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, listen to this. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. God can do what he wants to do because he's God. God can do the things he wants to do because it's his story. It's his book. It's his story. He wrote the story. So then, verse 16, so then, it it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, we'll get to Pharaoh eventually. Pharaoh was a bad guy. Pharaoh held the children of Israel in captivity and bondage for a long time. But what did God tell Abraham? He said, look, I'm going to bless those that bless you and I'm going to curse those that curse you. Look at what the Bible says in verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up. For this very purpose I raised you up. To demonstrate my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Look at verse 18. So then. So then he has mercy on whom he desires. And he hardens whom he desires. You will say to me then. Why does he still find fault? Sounds like a conversation, doesn't it? No, I'm just reading the Bible. That Bible's hard to understand. I, I, I don't like dealing with hard things. No, this is pretty clear. God knows what he's doing. God's got a plan. God's in control. It's his story. We mess up when we try to be in control, when we try to make it our plan, when we try to make it our story, when we try to make it fit in, make all these pieces fit the way that Everybody we love and care for comes out smelling like a rose. That's not biblical. You may say then, verse 19, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary. I mean, you could stop right there and say, oh, uh, who can resist him? And, and we could sit there and close the book and sit there and say, well, yeah, that, that's just not right. And why in the world would God do that? And how could he be that type of God? And how could he pick and choose like that? How, how could he how could say to Pharaoh, for this very purpose that I raise you up to show my power, why, how could he do that? And look what the Bible says. On the contrary, who are you? O man who answers back to God. The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this, will it? 
Or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? I am doing nothing in front of you this morning but simply reading the Word of God, word by word, line by line. What if? What if God? What if God? Although willing to demonstrate His wrath, what did He do to Sodom and Gomorrah? We read about that. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, what did he do during the flood? What did he do at Sodom and Gomorrah? What did he do to some of, to honestly, some of those sons that's like, I mean, we just read through the other day, there's some of them sons that he did wrong and God just killed him. I mean, he straight up killed them. What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and He did so to make known the riches of His glory upon vessels of mercy? Do you ever look around like Habakkuk and say, How long? How long? Am I going to have to look at a world that... How long, how long am I going to have to look at the news that sees murder after murder and abortion after abortion and your rules are run over and your commands are ran over and people just ignore completely everything that you have told them and commanded them to do in your word? What if? What if? God. Although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience. You know, all through that genealogy from Abraham, those 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus, God endured much. He saw his people suffer much. He saw his, he saw Evil men get away with time and time and time again. Guys, when you look around this world today, it's easy for us to say, how in the world could God still be in control of all this? How in the world could God, when men are so rebellious, when men are so evil, when people do such... I mean, look at our laws, look at our rules, look at, the, look at the people that are making decisions. I mean, I see the same things you see. It's not brand new, it's been there forever. It's been happening a long time and we beat ourselves up and we say, why, 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 why? God knows why. Just trust Him. We ain't supposed to understand behind the scenes, we're supposed to trust Him. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom he also called, not from among the Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. 
And he says to Hosea, I will call those who were not my people. You know what we're not reading about in the Old Testament? We're not reading about us. So where do we fit in? Where, where do we get in, guys? We, we don't read about us really through any bit of this. It's not until the mystery that was hidden for, from generations, the mystery that, that they knew nothing about, the mystery that, hey, the Gentiles also have a seat at the table. The Gentiles also can be grafted in. The Gentiles, by faith in Christ, can also be a part of my kingdom and a part of my family. See, that was nowhere back here. He says to Josiah, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. I don't understand him. But I know he's got a plan. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around all the ins and outs and the intricacies of how the sovereign God of this world uses all this that we've seen from all through recorded history and God is doing. He is working. He is molding. He is shaping. We've got revelations to read. We've got a home awaiting for us. We've got a Christ who's gone before us to prepare us a place. Christian, you live by faith and not by sight. Christian, you hear that? You simply live by faith. Your command is to do what the Bible tells. Your commands are to do what Scripture teaches. You're not by yourself. You have the Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, to, to remind you, to convict you, to direct you, to help, and all those things. We have been given the Spirit of God as a helper, as a counselor, as a guide. And here we are standing on this day with a God who's got a plan. And each one of us has a part in it. And although we don't see and know and understand and we may not can put all the pieces together. Simple trial like faith. Y'all stand up. You and Matthew, come here. He ain't got a clue what all he's got on his mind, on his heart. He don't know the plans, he don't know the dreams, he don't know the details, he don't know any of that. He ain't supposed to. He is simply supposed to, when this one says, hey, get up, get ready, we're going. You know what he's supposed to do? Get up, get ready, and go. Where are we going? None of your business. What are we eating along the way? It ain't none of your business. Who are we going to see? It's none of your business. Just get in the car and go. Who, who has the plan? Abba, Father, God, or us? Him. 
who, who we're, we're simple childlike faith. We trust. He don't know where he's going. He can't get there. He ain't got the money to get there. He ain't got the means to get there. He, ain't got, he can't get nowhere without him. That's biblical. We're here. Lord, I'm at your mercy. God, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a clue. But I trust you. If you can work all that out for your glory. And you simply tell me to trust you. You know what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. All he's supposed to do. All we're supposed to do is I want you to get up and I want you to get ready and I want you to go get in the car and I want you to pack these things and this is what I want you to have. And when you get there, this is what I want you to say. And this is how you better act. And this is what I want you to do. You know what I mean? All the stuff we tell them. Guys, that's basically what God's telling us in the Word. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. For, forgive us, God, for twisting it. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking for some reason that we call the shots, that we're in control, that we're supposed to know the ins and outs, that we're supposed to know the road map, that we're supposed to know why things are the way they are. We're... we're we supposed to know the end of the story before God that's not our responsibility our responsibility is to simply trust in you with all of our heart and not to lean on our own understanding in all our ways acknowledge and trust you and you'll lead us and you'll direct us down our path God I thank you that you've made us a part of your family I thank you God that you didn't leave us outsiders God, I thank you so much for Jesus. We came broke. We came bringing nothing. We came totally in need. And you took that and you saved us, Lord. And you made us your very own. You adopted us into your family. And God, for that we say thank you. God, bless this room. Bless this body of believers. Bless this group right here, Lord. Jesus' name, we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.